Exodus chapter 20 this, this evening, Exodus chapter 20. I hope you brought your Bible with you. If you're not, there is a Bible there provided for you. We'll take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to Exodus chapter 20 as we be, look at the second commandment. A few weeks ago, we started, we've been going through the book of Exodus, started actually in Genesis, going through Exodus now. And now we're doing a study, an in-depth study on the Ten Commandments. Now, we know we're not saved by keeping the law. Now, if you weren't here for this morning in the study of Hebrews, Brother Pete went through that, that our salvation is not by keeping the law, because you can't. It's impossible. You, all of us probably in some way or some form have broken some of these commandments uh, this morning or today. If not by, not by letter, by, by, uh, by, by thought or uh, by attitude, but... We're not, kept, we're not kept by the law or saved by the law. We're saved by the grace of God. But just because we're not kept by these things or saved by these doesn't mean we don't keep them. As I mentioned before, as we started this study, these are the foundations really of our country. Foundations of why it keeps us a sane place. And by the grace of God, we want to continue to be a moral and upright people. And because, uh, because we're not a moral and upright people, that's why we have chaos in the land. And that's why chaos will continue to get worse until ultimately we will be raptured and the one who will be called the Antichrist who will say, I come in peace, peace. And he will give, there will be a time of peace for about three and a half years. Then after that he will sit on the throne of David in Jerusalem and the Jews will recognize for the first time that they were wrong about Jesus Christ. And they will weep and they will be sad because they've been wrong all these years, most of them. When I was over in Israel, they still believe that Jesus is going to come someday. And Messiah is going to come someday, but he has already come. They just missed it, unfortunately. They crucified him. Then for three and a half years, it's going to be even worse. It's going to be the time of Jacob's trouble. Then after that seven-year period, we are going to come after the battle of Armaged- in the battle of Armageddon at, the, at Megiddo, which is you can look as far as you can to the left, as far as you can to the right, and as far as you can see, it's just open plain. I stood over there and looked at that place where the battle is going to take place one day. And then after that, we'll be ushered into a thousand years of pretty much peace called the Millennial Kingdom, where you and I will get to rule and reign. And based on your performance or based on your activity and action, which I encourage you to do this morning by the life of the Apostle Paul, what you do right now will reap repercussions in the millennium. You do little now, you have little responsibility in the, in the Millennial Kingdom. You do much now, you have great reward and more responsibility in the Millennial Kingdom. It's up to you. You can be watching, you can maybe visit and be over a Taco Bell. Or maybe you get to be over a county, or maybe over a city, or over a state, or over a nation. Depends on what you do here. And it's not just what you see, it's the intentions of your heart. Because if you're doing what you're doing just, just, to, just to do it so that people will see it, then the righteous judge who is Jesus Christ will see that. And your works will be wooden hay and stubble and be burned up. That will all be at the judgment, the judgment, the bema seat, which will happen during that, that tribulation time, our judgment in the sky. Saying all those, saying all these things, we recognize the fact that we should live by these Ten Commandments. They are not just for the Jewish people, but they're for us today too. So let's read it in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 4. 
Genesis, Exodus, excuse me, Exodus chapter 20 and verse 4. It says, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness to anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them, for I am the Lord thy God. I am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children of the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. And showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Father, we thank you for this time. I pray that, you, Lord, you'd help us to understand what is being spoken, Spirit of God, that you would speak. Lord, that you would help us to understand, to know what you'd have us to know, so that we might understand these things for ourselves and for others, Lord, so we could teach others also. Help us to be faithful. Help us to keep your word. But, Lord, most importantly, help us as we leave this place to do it. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We see this commandment, the second commandment, thou shalt not make unto thee any graved, graven image. The principle, of course, is found in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 14. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, flee from idolatry, flee from idolatry. 1 John 5, 21, little children, John is writing to this church, and he's saying, keep yourselves from idols. In the first commandment, God makes it clear that worshiping a false god is forbidden. Here, worshiping a true god in a false manner is forbidden. It matters how we worship God. The first has to do with the object of our worship. The second has to do with the manner of our worship. God forbids the worship bowing down and praying to idols. Image worship is forbidden. So our infinite God is not represented by the finite. We cannot bow down to something that, uh, you know, that, 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 is, that has, limit, has limitations. And God is, 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 to worship God by an image is both absurd and, and, and unlawful. It's ludicrous and absurd to, to, for the work to be better and praise over the work men. And so the image worship is against the practice of saints of old and today. Of course, we see the trouble of it in Daniel chapter 2. Remember Nebuchadnezzar who made this golden statue of himself, and he said to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to bow down at the certain time when there was a, oh man, there's a whole list of instruments, that, a plethora of instruments that are played, the psaltery, the harp, the sack, but all those different instruments were played. They were bowed down to this golden image of Nebuchadnezzar. And of course, these three... Though there were many, of course, Jews at the time, they weren't the only three Jews. There were many Jews there, and most of them bowed down. What does that say about society? It's few they be that find it. Not, uh, most of the people are going to go the way of all flesh. You see the broad way and the narrow way. Most folks go the broad way. Few go, few go the narrow way. It was true in Daniel's day, and it's true in America today. It's true in the church today. Many go the broad way. Many go the way of all flesh. Few go the way of the faithful. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abundago said, we're not going to bow down. And they got thrown in the fiery furnace because they chose to trust God instead of trust, trusting their feelings or trusting, their, or trusting in what might be their fate. They chose to trust God. They got thrown in the fiery furnace, but they did not burn. They did not bow. They did not burn. They did not bend. You know what they got? They got the blessing. They got the blessing because when you and I trust God, even in adverse situations, we get something that they got. You know what they got? They got direct access to the Son of God. And they got fellowship like no one 
had ever seen. So one, like the, as I said, like the Son of, Son of God who was in there with them. I believe it's Jesus, Jesus Christ himself was in there with them. And they were saved from the fire by Jesus Christ. And dear friend, when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, we're saved from the fire. We see that throughout scriptures. Then judges Gideon destroys the pagan altars of his father. In 1 Kings chapter 15, the Bible says, And Asa did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord, as did his father. He took away the sodomites out of the land. Good advice. And removed all the idols of his fathers that had made. And Malachi, his mother, even her, he removed from being queen because she made an idol in the grove. And Asa destroyed her idol and burnt it by the brook Kidron. His own mother, he said, Mom, you got an idol. It has to be destroyed. Where was that all come from? Well, it goes back to, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. It was an idol. You see, God must be first in our life. First before family, first before friends. You can't have any other thing that you worship before God. If you worship anything, moms, you can't put your sons before Jesus. Men, you can't you put your work before Jesus. Can't put my Harley before Jesus. Can't put anything before Jesus. Because Jesus said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. That's the first commandment. Second is, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. When you and I love other things or other stuff, it's wrong. But how, not only worshiping that which is wrong is bad, but also how we worship could be wrong. Joshua, King, excuse me, King Josiah destroyed the groves and images in 2 Kings chapter 23 and verse 6. When the Roman oppressors thrust images upon the Christians, uh, they chose to die rather than corrupt themselves by idolatry. The worship that if they worshipped Nero, if they chose chose to worship and bow down Nero, they could worship any god, including Jesus. But they first had to bow down to Nero. Many died saying no to Nero. Today, there's many idols you can bow, you can bow down to. You got to be careful. You want to bow down to this right here. We worship at the at the throne of iPhone or Android. We worship at the throne of that, that TV, that entertainment center. It's what you spend your time with, it's what you give your love to, what you give your devotion to, is what you give your heart to. Who has your heart? Who has your love? Who has your compassion? Who has you? You say, and the, the foolish thing it says, well, you know, I can get involved in this and I can I can like this, I can, I can, I can do these things, and it won't bother me. Oh, many an addict has smoked or put something in his arm and said, I can, I can, I can stop anytime. Oh, you you see, dear friend, you, many a person has told me I smoked the cigarette, the first cigarette after that, it smoked me. It smoked me. How about you? Oh, it's easy to worship the wrong thing and worship the wrong way. Do we have problems with image worship today? Oh, the Catholic Church. I was just over St. Augustine. My brother-in-law bought a place over there. He's going to turn it into Airbnb. And, of course, he's not from this area. He's from the Ohio area. So I said, we got to go do the trolley ride. How many of you have been on the trolley ride? If, you're, if you live, if, you, if you're from this area, you got to at least go over there once to the trolley ride. Because it doesn't tell you about St. Augustine. It doesn't tell you about Florida. It tells you about your country. That's the first establishment in the United States of America, the oldest city. We saw the oldest schoolhouse. My wife was happy about that. 
We saw the oldest house. We saw all these things that go back, you know, the 1500s. One of the stops was the, was the, um, the Catholic church there. The, what was it? The, I think it was the, to the mother of, of Lecce. <laughs> Uh, you know, and we, we were about to stop, and I said, no, we're not stopping there. We're not stopping. We can't stop there. Oh, beautiful cross. Beautiful cross. Going to the Catholic Church is filled with idols to Mary. Jesus nailed to a cross. You see, you see, you look at a Roman Catholic, and you see Jesus is, on, is still on the cross. Jesus is no longer on the cross, folks. He's no longer on the cross. It's the cross is empty. He was buried, and he rose again. That all that Jesus on the cross is idolatry. Worshiping Mary. It's false. It's fake. Mary never wanted to be worshipped. You read her prayer. She, was, she called herself, as we talked about on Mother's Day, a handmaid, a servant of the Lord. She abhors worship of herself. Because she was saved by Jesus Christ just like we were saved by Jesus Christ. The Catholic Church encourages image worship. They don't even have the second commandment in their Ten Commandments. They don't even have it in there. So how do they do Ten Commandments? They make the, second, the, the Tenth Commandment in two parts. That's how they get over it. But they skip this commandment altogether. Why? Because they're guilty of false worship. We can find all types of false worship in the world. We see all around us the worship of Mother Earth. It's become prevalent. Don't touch Mother Earth. Somebody got mad at Brother Eric and I because we had a church here. We hurt Mother Earth by putting a church here on this ground. I thought to myself, well, how about you? You put a house on your ground, you hurt Mother Earth too. It's foolishness. There is no Mother Earth. This earth was created by God for our pleasure. That doesn't mean you go out and abuse it and do stupid stuff. No, we're conservative. We're careful. We don't go crazy though. We don't. We, we don't go so. We don't go so far because you know what, dear friend. Ultimately, this earth is going to be burned up, burned up in fervent heat. It's going to be totally destroyed, and we're going to have a new heaven and a new earth. So don't worship Mother 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 Earth. Hindus worship cows. I like to eat burgers. Satan is worshipped by a multitude. God said, idolatry is forbidden. Isaiah chapter 42 and verse 8, I am the Lord. What is his name? My glory will not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. Remember the brazen serpent Moses made? What was wrong? Who gave the command to make it? God did. Numbers chapter 21 verse 8, the Lord said to Moses, make thee a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that every one that is bitten, when we look upon it, shall live. Of course, that was repeated by Jesus Christ. If, if, if Christ be lifted up, he shall draw all men to himself. God had a purpose for the brazen serpent. It was not for worship, but for healing of a rebellious people who were bitten by the snakes because of their wickedness. The Bible says in, about Hezekiah who defaced this piece of brass. In 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 4, he removed the high places, break down the images, cut down the groves, break in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made for unto those days the children of Israel did burn incense to it, and he called it Neshushetan. That's why Moses was buried in a place where no man knows because they knew if there was a place where Moses was buried, they would worship that place. And there is a lot of false worship in Israel going on today to fake gods that can do nothing for, that can't do anything for anyone. 
So thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images. He says also, and this verse sometimes may be a little bit difficult to quite grasp. He says in 20, uh, chapter 20, verse 5b, I am a jealous God. And the reasons why we don't worship graven images, the Lord is a jealous God. Exodus chapter 34 and verse 14, For thou shalt not worship no other God, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. The word jealous means a zealous God. He's zealous. Jealous, we don't have, he's not jealous like we think of a person who's jealous because of some, uh, uh, someone loving someone else more than another person. He, he, want, he desires his children. He loves his children. He has a zealous love and passion for his children. He only wants what's best for his children. You parents understand that when you see your children going astray, it bothers you, it, 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 it hurts you, it affects you, and sometimes you have to let them do it because education the hard way is unfortunately sometimes the best way. God is the same way. The Arabic word means to to be intensely read in a good sense. God is jealous for his people. Zechariah verse 4 and 14. For the angel that command, commune with me said unto me, Cry thou, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I am a jealous for Jerusalem and for Zion with a great jealousy. Isaiah chapter 64, 62 verse 4. For thou shalt, thou shalt no more be termed forsaken, neither shall thy land be any more termed desolate, but thou shalt be a place called Hepzibah. And thy land Beulah, for the Lord delighteth in thee, and the land shall be married. God's the people are delight, or his Hesbabah. They're the apple of his eye, Zechariah chapter 2, verse 8. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, after the glory hath he sent unto the nations which spoiled you, for he toucheth you who toucheth the apple of his eye. And God's people are the apple of his eye. In Isaiah chapter 42, and verse 13, The Lord shall go forth as a mighty man. He stir up a jealousy like a man of war. He shall cry, yea, roar. He shall prevail against his enemies. Yea, though even though we are God's people, we often go astray and go after things that will hurt us. Back in my house, many of you know, is a golf course. And sometimes at night I let the cats out. Well, my wife told me a couple well, about a week ago, she was out there. She let the cats out. <clears throat> and we have two cats. One's a brown cat. One's a gray cat. Well, all of a sudden, we have these lights. My Mother's Day project for my wife was to hang these party lights. That was my Mother's Day project for my wife. We did that. And you can see a little bit, a little space out there. So the, the two cats go out. They, they, they usually go out. They cry and whine. I finally let them out. My wife and sons, they don't let them out. I let them out. And then we let him out, and all of a sudden, a coyote, coyote comes. Well, the brown cat runs inside. The gray cat stays there and just looks at the coyote. Well, thankfully, my wife was out there to grab the gray cat and bring him in because he didn't have sense enough to go in. You ever had, you ever didn't have sense enough to come in? There used to be a saying, you, you didn't have sense enough to come in out of the rain. Sometimes we do things to ourselves. We worship gods or worship gods in a wrong way that will destroy us. It will destroy us. In a serious sense, God is jealous for his people and they worship other gods. Psalm 78, verse 59 through 58, 59. For they provoked him to anger and with their high places moved him to jealousy with their graven images. When God heard this, he was wroth and greatly abhorred 
Israel. Even God got to the place where he abhorred his own children because they've turned their back on him. A few times in my life, I've counseled parents who've got to the place where their kids had disobeyed them so much. It got to the place where it was almost hate. They have to go far away, a long way, especially for mom. That's, that's a tough thing. But God got to the place where his own children had disobeyed him over and over and over that he was wroth and greatly abhorred of Israel. We allow something other than the Lord to control our devotion and love. It angers him. It bothers him. Thou shalt not make into the any graven image. I am a jealous God, visiting iniquity upon the fathers, upon the children, to the third and fourth generation. What's this phrase, visiting iniquity, mean? It means to punish iniquity. Sin, sin and iniquity are two different things. Sin is the reason why God visits, with, visits us, visits his people, because obviously we're, we're sinful people. Psalms chapter 89 and verse 31, If they break my statutes and keep not my commandments, then will visit their transgression with a rod, their iniquity with stripes. Sin twists and cords and, and, and destroys. It troubles. It causes issues, causes problems. In the history, when images were erected in Constantinople, the chief seat of the Eastern Empire was taken by the Turks, and many were cruelly massacred. The Turks paraded through the streets with a crucifix, throwing dirt upon it, and shouting, This is the God of the Christians. A place called Epilonium in 350 A.D. perished by the earthquake, which offered sacrifices to idols. Idolatry brought misery to the Eastern churches. God removed these candlesticks from Asia. Idolatrous people are enemies, not only to their own souls, but to their own children. Because what you portray as a father, typically your children come after that. So what is iniquity? Well, what is sin? Actually, God distinguishes sin from iniquity. Sin is missing the mark. God tells us to do something, we miss the mark. We, we, we don't do what is to, we're told to do, we miss the mark. We see this in Psalm chapter 51, verse 2. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Behold, I was shaped in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. What is the definition of iniquity? We see a clue in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone that saith to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and thy name cast out devils, and thy name done many wondrous works? Then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Iniquity is going against God's will. Iniquity is, going, is doing my own even though I know it is wrong, iniquity is going our own way, doing our own thing, disobeying God. That's why we see in Isaiah chapter 53 these words, He was wounded for our transgression, He was bruised for our iniquity, for our going the wrong way. Christ was bruised, the chastisement of our peace was upon Him, and with His stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned everyone to His own way, and the Lord had laid on Him the iniquity of us all. All the sin, all the iniquity, all the transgression of all time, past, present, and future, was laid on Jesus Christ at the cross. He took your iniquity and my iniquity and was all laid upon him. When Saul disobeyed the Lord and not destroying the Amalekites and saving the best animals for sacrifice, Samuel rebuked him 
with these words, hath the Lord a great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices and in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken to the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. You say, stubbornness is not that bad. God calls it iniquity. God calls it sin. When God wants you to do something, when God wants you to move, when he whispers to you, he wants you to do something in your life, whatever that may be, and you say no to it. He says that's iniquity, and he equals that stubbornness the same as witchcraft. Stubbornness, idolatry is like witchcraft. It's anti-God. When God says go and you say no. When God says don't go and you go, that's just like a witch. That's just that wickedness. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected me, the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. How are the children of are children affected by the iniquity of their fathers and their forefathers? Even though children are not responsible for the guilt of their father's iniquity, they are influenced by it, definitely affected by it. The Bible says, Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 16, The father shall not be put to death for the children, neither shall the children be put to death for the fathers. Every man shall be put to death for his own sin. The sons and remote descendants inherit consequences of the father's sins in disease, poverty, captivity. And all the influences of bad example, the evil communications, the deception that Abraham practiced was picked up by his son and grandson. Each generation, the deception increased. In Genesis chapter 20, verse 2, Abraham said to his wife, Sarah, she is my sister. Now, remember, it was a half-truth. She was half-sister, but it was really, remember, a half-truth is a full lie. Half-truth is a full lie. Don't be going around, well, you know, I, you know, I kind of, no. Just be, let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. Be honest. Be upright. Your word is your bond. You, are, you represent what you say. If a person can't trust you, what good are you? That's the way it should be in America. It's the way it used to be. It's the way it should be. In a different, it's the way it's going to be again someday. <laughs> Abraham said, oh, she's my sister. Genesis chapter 26, verse 7, the man of the place asked him of his wife. He said, she is my sister. For he, he, he said it in, in chapter 20, now in 26, she is my wife. He, he, she, she is my sister. For he feared to say, she is my wife, lest, he said, the men of the place should kill me for Rebekah because she was fair to look upon. Isaac did the same thing that his, did the same thing his father did. Hey, daddy did it. 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 Well, son did it. And Isaac, his father, said unto him, Art who art thou? And he said, I am thy son, thy firstborn Esau. So daddy did it, Isaac did it, and Jacob did it. Dad, grandson, and grandson. What did they do? They lied. And we see that. We see this in families. Drunkenness, idolatry, adultery, divorce, or sometimes generational. They go on and on and on and on. You say, it can't be broken. Yes, it can. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. It can be broken. You don't have to be like your father. You don't have to be like your grandfather. You don't have to be an old goat grump like granddad. You don't have to be broke. You don't have to be lazy. 
You don't have to be known as a wicked person. You don't have to be. Dear friend, in America today, Christian, you choose what you are. I'm tired of people coming to me, well, I'm a victim because of this. No, dear friend, you might be in a bad circumstance, but you can do anything you ought to do by the grace of God. Anything you ought to do by the grace of God. You just choose it. Man, Joseph was in a bad spot. <laughs> he was in a pickle thrown into prison by his own brothers. But he didn't get bitter at God and get mad and start blaming the problems and saying, well, my brothers just don't like me. You know, they don't like me because I'm the youngest. They don't like me because of this. No, he had a good attitude. Daniel, he was over there. As we talked about Daniel and the Shadrach, Meshach, he was over there in, in, in Babylon, even though he was, he'd been made a eunuch. That changed his life forever. He would never have a family. You know what? Even though he was in a bad situation with a lot of wicked people, he had a positive attitude. And dear friends, sometimes in life we're going to be put in bad situations. But it's your test of your character what takes to stop you. Don't blame society on your problems. The problems, is the problems we make is mainly because of ourselves. Mainly because of ourselves. Abraham did it. Isaac did it. And now Jacob did it. Jacob's iniquity and lust for women affected Solomon and his grandson. 1 Kings chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. And Solomon loved many strange women. Well, Dad, uh, he had Bathsheba. And he had several other wives, of course. The Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 11, verse, But King Solomon loved many strange women, together the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonites, Hittites, of the, of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, You should not go unto them, neither shall they come unto you, for surely you will turn away your heart after the gods. Solomon clave unto these women, and he had 700 wives. Holy cow! I've struggled keep take care of one, much less 700. <laughs> 700 wives, princes, and 300 concubines, and his wife turned away his heart. Well, I hope, yeah, I'd say. You read, read, read Ecclesiastes, which we've been reading on Wednesday night and studying Wednesday night, all those women at the end of his life, you know what he is? Alone. And he says, vanity of vanities, all these women, all these relationships did not mean anything. So all the, have all the pleasure in the world you can have. won't make a difference. Have all the different wives you want. Have a redhead. Have a brunette. Have a blonde. Have short. Have tall. Have pygmy. Have dwarf. Whatever. Didn't matter. At the end of all, he was miserable. Miserable because he did one thing he shouldn't have done. He left his love for God. What happened to Rehoboam? Love Maka, the daughter of Absalom, above all his wives and concubines. Sent 18 wives, threescore concubines, begat 20 and 8 sons and threescore daughters. It came to pass when Rehoboam was established the kingdom, they strengthened himself, forsook the law of the Lord, and, and, and all Israel with him. You cannot say as a father or mother what you do will not have consequences for your kids. We do not sin on an island. Dear friends, we reap what we sow. That's why, by the grace of God, we choose not to sin. We choose not to commit iniquity. And when we do, we admit it. The worst thing you can do as a parent is to sin and deny it and be a hypocrite. That's the worst thing you can do. Because, dear friends, if you're a parent, you're going to fail around your kids. I've failed a thousand times. 
and I probably fail a thousand times more. But by the grace of God, I try to do If I fail, admit I fail. Thank God for honesty, transparency. We're all going to struggle. We're all going to fall down. It's not how many times you fall down. It's how many times you get back up. David, after doing all that he did, he confessed his sin. And even after that, after all of his sin, God called him a man after God's own heart. Whether there is there consequences? Yes. What a father or mother does in moderation, his kids typically, generally speaking, I'm saying generally speaking, what a father or mother does in moderation, his kids will typically do in excess or extremes. Our kids, our children amplify our weaknesses and compromises. The crack in the door that we give to sin, our children will open completely. The Bible stresses the importance of knowledge of the iniquities of our forefathers. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 2. The seed of Israel separated themselves from all strangers and stood and confessed their sins and iniquities of the fathers. Daniel chapter 9, verse 16. O Lord, according to thy righteousness, I beseech thee, let thine anger and thy fear be turned away from the city of Jerusalem, thy holy mountain, because of our sins and the iniquities of our fathers, because Jerusalem and thy people are become a reproach to all that are about us. Let me give you, in a closing, four steps in dealing with the iniquities of our forefathers. Four steps. First of all, identify the precise iniquity that's been passed. Admit it. See, if you don't admit your struggle, you, 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 can't go any, you can't go anywhere else. Admit your struggle. Your iniquity might be drinking. Your iniquity might be stealing. Your iniquity might be lying. Your iniquity might be adultery. Your iniquity might be, I don't know, but it, whatever it is, admit it. Admit it. Admit it to God. Admit it to your family. We all, got, we all got areas where we're weak. We all have areas where we're struggle. Go, again, the worst thing you could do is pretend you don't struggle and say you're okay when you're really not. Everybody in your family knows different. You can fool a lot of folks, but you can't fool your own family. Just be honest about your struggle. Admit it. Secondly, acknowledge your sin and your forefathers' iniquities. Don't excuse them. Don't agree with it. Jeremiah 14, 20. We acknowledge our Lord, our wickedness, and iniquity of our forefathers. We have sinned against thee. Thirdly, reclaim, reclaim lost ground and yield yourselves to God. Romans chapter 6, verse 19. I speak after the manner of men because of the, iniquity, of the infirmity of your flesh. For as you yielded your members, servants of, of uncleanness, and to the iniquity, unto the iniquity, even so yield your members, servants to righteousness unto holiness. Change. But not by not something you can do on your own, only by humbling yourself, admitting your sin, admitting your family sin, and willing by the grace of God to yield yourself, no longer members, your members, your body, uh, to, to the iniquity and to sin, but to righteousness. Don't give place to the devil. Don't give place. If you come from a family of drunks, grandpa was a drunk, you're a drunk, dear friend, I wouldn't go to the bar. I wouldn't be found at the liquor, bar, liquor aisle at Publix. I wouldn't be drinking coolers. And I wouldn't hang out with folks who did. Because if I hang out with folks who did before long, I'll be doing it too. Dear friends, you can't, you can't lay down with a dog and not come up with fleas. Don't put yourself in a compromising situation to tempt yourself that you might fall, especially if you know it's a generational sin that you, your father struggled with, your grandfather struggled with, your uncle struggled with, your cousin struggled with. You know you struggle. You know it's a family thing. Stay away from it. In the Old Testament, 
When a person has had a fulfilled le leprosy, leprosy is a, a picture of sin. You know what they would cry out when a leper would cry out? He would say, leper, leper, leper. He would walk around crying leper. Why? Because he's afraid if he, if he infected somebody, that person would have leper too. Dear friend, you don't let all your friends know, hey, I don't drink. I don't smoke. And I don't run around those who do. Now, I'll, I'll come to church and I'll tell you about Jesus all day long, but I'm not, going, I'm not going to Hooters and tell you about Jesus. No. I don't care how good the wings are. I'm not going. I'm not even going to sit down at the bar at Sonny's and tell you, about Jesus, tell you about Jesus. I'll sit across the way, at the table across the way, and I'll tell you about Jesus. But I'm not sitting at the bar at Sonny's and telling you about Jesus. I'm not doing it. Because appearances do matter. Right? We should keep ourselves from evil. Fourth, cast down Satan's stronghold in your mind. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 and 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing them captivity, every thought to the obedience of Christ. What's, what's he saying? The battle, dear friends, is not in your fists. The battle, your friend, dear friend, is not in your flesh. The battle, your friend, is not in your feet. The battle for victory is right here. The only way you're going to be successful in defeating generational iniquity in your family is right here. It starts right here. Because a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. If you keep telling yourself, if you keep telling yourself, I can't do this, I can't do this, dear friend, you won't. I can't get victory over this. I can't quit, think, I can't quit thinking about that. I can't, I can't. If you say, I can't, I can't, and get up every morning saying, I can't, I can't, I can't, then you can. But in Christ Jesus, you can. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me, Paul said. You can, by the grace of God, many a person who's come from terrible backgrounds, worse than you can even imagine, has found the victory through Christ. But you must choose it. And it's not just a one-day choice. It's an everyday choice. Paul the Apostle, I'm sure, as we talked about, Brother Pete talked about, struggled, I'm sure, with wanting to go back to the law. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. I'm sure he was tempted to go back to his old way of life, to just follow the law and trust in the law. For, to, 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 but he wasn't focusing on the law. He was focusing on grace. And maybe you're struggling from the, the way of the world the friendships of the world, the way things used to be in your life, break free of those things. Whatever the cost, it may be breaking a relationship. I remember I was dating this old girl named Kim Carson. I loved that girl. She was my high school sweetheart. She had my letterman's jacket and my ring. And I knew one of two things. It's either her or Jesus. It could not be both. And one day I went to Blue Ridge and I said to Kim, it's over. And it's the first and only girl who's ever smacked me across my face, thank God. And I got my ring and I got my jacket and I walked away. Because if I didn't, I wouldn't be here before you today. Sometimes you have to do a very difficult thing. Something you don't even think you have the grace and strength to do. Because it's the right thing to do. And a dear friend, I promise you, if you ask God to, he'll give you the grace to do it. Are you going to bow down to any other gods?
Who's first in your life? The Lord? Yourself? You're, doing, you're going your own way? Well, I'm going to tell you, if you go your own way, how does, how, how's that, how's that going to work out for you? It's a, the, going your own way, the life of iniquity, is just a life of failure. In Aquaba, 1917, the fortress seemed impregnable. Every enemy vessel approaching the port would have had to face the battery of huge naval guns above their town. But behind Aquaba, in every direction, lay barren, waterless, and inhospitable desert. To the east lie dead, the deadly anvil of the sun. The Turks believed Aquaba to be safe from any attack, but they were wrong. In comes Lawrence of Olivier, Arabia. Led a force of irregular Arab cavalry across the anvil of the sun with scorching miles of barren desert. Together they rallied support among their local people. And on July the 2nd, 6, 1917, the Arab forces swept into Aqaba from the north, from the blind side. If you watch a Lawrence of Arabia, in the long panning shot of the Arabs on their camels and horses with Lawrence at the head galloping past the gigantic naval guns, they were completely powerless to stop them. The guns were facing the wrong direction. Aqaba fell. The Turkish hold on Palestine was broken to replace by the British, Maidan, and eventually the state of Israel. The Turks failed to defend Aqaba because they had made two mistakes. They did not know the enemy, and they did not have the right weapons. Dear friends, we must be careful not to make the same mistakes. Don't make the same mistakes. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Stand against iniquity. Ask Christ for help. I love this verse in verse 6. And showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandment. No matter how bad your situation no matter how difficult what you're going through, God is willing to give you mercy, to show mercy, to show kindness, because he really loves us. Father, we thank you, God, for your mercy and your grace. Where would we be without it? Thank that you're a loving and kind and just God that sent your only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross so we could have everlasting life. I pray that everyone in this room, there's been a time in your life where you recognize that you're a sinner, there was no way possible you could save yourself. But you placed your faith in Jesus Christ along with head bowed, eyes closed. Is there one in this room say, Preacher, I'm not a Christian. I'm not saved. If I died today, I would probably go to hell, but I don't want to. I need Jesus. I need to be saved. I want to go to heaven when I die. It would be the greatest decision you'll ever make in your life, more important than who your friends are, more important than what your work is. More important than anything else in your world is knowing Christ. To know him is to have life. To not know him is face death, separated from God forever in a real place called hell. You're here today and say, Preacher, I don't know Jesus Christ my Savior, but I really want to. Would you pray for me? Anybody like that this, this evening? I'm not a Christian. I'm not saved, but I want to be. I want to know for sure if I died today, I'd go to heaven. Would you pray for me? Anybody at all? Christian, are you willfully disobeying God in your life? Is an area of iniquity, an area of sin that you're struggling with? Maybe I named it, maybe I did not. But if you're saved today, I know the Holy Spirit spoke to you and said, this is your struggle. 
Are you doing something about it? Are you admitting it? Or are you denying it? Are you pretending to be one thing one, one, one way and one way a different somewhere else? Are you honest and upright before your family? Oh, you may fail. We all fail, but do you admit it? Are you honest? Do you confess your sin publicly, privately? Say, preacher, I'm struggling. Some areas of my life, I'm honest this, this evening. I'm struggling. Would you pray for me? Anybody at all? Be honest. Some areas where I'm struggling this evening, would you pray for me? Maybe it's generational sin that you're struggling with. I'm, pr- I'm struggling in some areas of my life. Would you pray for me that God would help me? Amen. Praise God for your honesty. Anybody else? Anybody else? I'm struggling. I'm honest. Amen. Praise God. Thank you for your honesty. Anybody else? I'm struggling. Let's stand to our feet, head bowed, eyes closed. If you're struggling this evening and you just want to come to this old altar and ask God to help you, the Bible says humble yourself. Humble yourself. You know what? You humble yourself, he will help you, and he will be there in your time of need. As the piano plays, Christian person, if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, would you come? I'd love to show you how you can be saved, but if you're, if you're saved and you're just struggling... Stand to your feet, bow your head, no one looking around. Maybe you'd like to come and just come to this old altar and ask God to help you. Maybe to humble yourself in front of your family. Maybe to admit your anger, your pride, your arrogance, your your harsh speech, infidelity, lying, theft, whatever it may be. Dear friend, better to deal with it tonight than wait five, ten years from now and have it destroy your entire family. Whatever you're struggling with tonight, the Holy Spirit whisper to you, would you, would you get right? Would you be clean? Whatever you need to do, obey God tonight.